Welcome in. It is Fantasy Baseball Today. I'm Chris Welsh. That is Scott White. You are vying for championships. And Scott, you know who one of the guys that is probably going to be on a very, very high percentage of fantasy championship rosters this year? You Darvish. 14 strikeouts after going six innings. He had gave up two hits. He did walk two, which is the first time since he's done that since June 26th. Might be one of the highest-owned championship players on any roster. You, Darvish, doing the good stuff for all of us. The good stuff, yeah. He has emerged as an ace at the most perfect time of year. He and Jack Flaherty both, who were, you know, they had had some rough times early. Jack Flaherty had an ERA approaching five, I think, as recently as June. And, of course, Darvish, we were getting asked every start if, if we could drop him yet. Uh, back the, the way he he began this season, but they both have figured it out. They both have electric stuff. Darvish now, he uh, in his past twelve starts has a two seventy one ERA, point eight one WHIP, twelve point two Ks per nine. I mean, he's something else. You know, we had a question. I'll just jump right to it real quick. We want to get into everything. By the way, of course, we got to set you guys up for next week with all the two start pitchers. Lots and lots of ads. But you guys have also been sending in a ton of questions, so good on you. But just since we're talking about Darvish, the one thing I've been inundated is 2020 stuff. I told you, I took Darvish, the perception when I started the two early mocks had not jumped quite yet. And I got Darvish, I thought of it as a deal. Our buddy Mike in uh, Newark says, I wasn't seriously considering keeping Darvish for next year because I have him at $24, he says. But with the second half, I'm starting to consider it because true aces go for 40 plus in his points league. He says, Darvish looks like vintage Darvish, who is a top seven pitcher. So his question is, how high can you envision ranking you if he keeps this up? Back to the top seven like the old days? Or how high do you think he can go if he keeps this up for next year? It won't be that high. I mean, as as crappy as starting pitcher is, and of course, that's been an, we've been talking about that all year. We've sure. been talking about that really for a few years now. It's pretty loaded at the top. I mean, you strikeouts obviously have gone up as home runs have and the, and the pitchers who can miss bats like a U Darvish can, I mean, they're, they're not in short supply. There are probably, uh, the, the number we I've been using just kind of offhand was there's a couple dozen pitchers who are basically ace or near ace level. And I would consider him among them, but he's, you know, one of the older ones among them and has one of the, uh, more, precarious track records. So he would be on the lower end of that. Yeah. And he hasn't been going in the early mocks. I've got one over it in this league right now we're doing, and I've been doing the two early mocks. Darvish hasn't gone inside. I don't believe the top 20 pitchers yet uh, in either one of those. Now how he's finishing the year. I do think there could be maybe an argument that he could sit in that 15 ish range, especially if these last couple starts, he finishes off and we see what happens with playoffs. But the thing I would say about him is though he is not going to sit in that top 10 tier like you're talking about, the Biebers, the Flaherty's, the Bueller's, stuff like that. He will probably be the biggest target, the biggest bullseye on his back of that next globbed tier where the elite guys are gone. And then everyone's like, well, I can get Darvish, you know, is my SB2 in round whatever it ends up being seven or eight. That's where I feel like he's going to end up being. So he'll actually maybe get drafted yeah. higher than you would think. Well, that's that's what I was going to say that, you know, it's let's say he's not even a top 20 pitcher. He's 24th. Let's say. Yeah. All of those guys should probably be gone, particularly in a points league, I would say within the first six rounds, because the drop off that's coming thereafter. I mean, it's pretty big. Every starting pitcher sucks. He's one of the ones who doesn't. And that means a lot. So if if 
pitchers of that caliber usually go for 40 plus in your league, then he's probably worth keeping for 24. Yeah, I think so too. I think that uh, easy answer for you there. And Darvish, uh, love to hear, you know, if you guys are rocking into your championship, which could be next week, maybe the week after. If you guys are rocking Darvish, love to hear it, especially with maybe what he's done. Because I could see a lot of stories out there of people being like, well, I was in sixth place, thought I was getting out. Then all of a sudden Darvish came through the last two months. So you, Darvish, 14 Sounds strikeouts. Like yeah, it does. It does. 14 strikeouts leading into what could be your championship next week, which is pretty, pretty good. But speaking of championships, we've got to get you guys prepared right at the top here. Two start pitchers. That is the flavor. That is the choice we're going to go to. I'm going to throw it to Scott here in a second to get your picks, but without getting uh, you know trampled over with potentially players you're going to pick, I'm going to throw four at you that are in the relative range. Call them fringy. Call them the mid-tier two-start pitchers because ironically, I don't believe, and maybe you'll be able to correct me when we get to your uh, your picks here, I'm not sure there's a lot of deep options because I went through them and they don't look great. So here are four mid-tier two-start pitchers for next week that I want to get your take on. Zach Plesak, who is 74% owned in CBS, but my counter argument here, I went to another site to take a look, only 32% owned, just to reference yeah. for a lot of people the, listening. The percentages are always much higher on CBS, at Absolutely. least compared to the other big boys. Absolutely. And, and Plesak is one I just wanted to be in this conversation, so that was my reference for all of you guys here. Detroit and Philly next week. Number two, John Means Business, 62% Detroit and Seattle. You've got Martin Perez, who's 54% owned. He's got the White Sox in Kansas City. And Zach Davies, who's 59% owned, has the Padres in Pittsburgh. Those are all pretty, pretty ideal matchups for the mid-tier players that might be sitting out there for you. Zach Plesak got used against me this week in one of my leagues. So Plesak means Perez Davies. How do you deal with this group? Well, John Means is my favorite, and I should preface that by saying this time a week ago we were talking about him as a two-star pitcher. Obviously, it didn't happen, and that's something— this time of year more than ever, you you have to factor in. If you're going to go with a low-end pickup in, with the hope he's making two starts, or, or that's the only reason you're doing it, then you know you might want to you, you might want to think about that twice. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that too, as I had a couple questions really early in the week of people being like, hey, I've got my bye week coming up. I really want to get some preemptive moves for the next week. You know, who, who are some maybe two starts and stuff I should be looking at? And I said, well, here's my first piece of advice. Just wait here for a second, because the amount of volatility that can happen here where a guy gets moved up, gets moved back, gets a start skipped. And if these if these acquisitions are really low between three and four uh, ads in a week, you want to wait till you're a little bit closer. Just because you have the week off doesn't mean you need to go make those moves on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with making them, but with the understanding, you may have to remake them before it's all over. And it, it still may be wrong. I mean, you know, the Orioles could just insert a spot starter in the middle of the next week and suddenly means is it making two sure, starts They're the but, Orioles, sure. But hypothetically, John Means... Two incredible matchups, Detroit and Seattle. He's coming off four consecutive quality starts. I've been pretty dismissive of him all year. Um, and so I was trying to find reasons not to be. I mean, his his fly ball rate is extreme. And I don't think your cat likes John Means. I just want to point that out here. I just oh, want to hear him meowing yeah, in the background. I just want to make sure. I'm I'm that might be an omen. So I'm just prefacing everybody. There might be an omen on John Means as Scott White's cat is very, very upset about it. It's been a long time since he's made an appearance on the podcast. <laughs> so I know people will appreciate that. But John Means, um what I found is his ex Woba, not just his Woba, but his ex Woba as well is below three hundred. And if you don't know about Woba, it's weighted like OBP. So under 300, really bad, really bad. So the quality of contact he's giving up um, supports what he's doing. Now, I still I still have my doubts, but I think that's that's the strongest argument I could make for him actually being a quality pitcher is just is that is that and, you know, good run, good matchups. I think he's my first choice here. What about a guy like Martin Perez, who I mean, his last uh, I mean, his last start against the Washington Nationals wasn't fantastic. I mean, he's had a couple duds in there, but his last start against the White Sox, he went six, gave up three, struck out four, and the Royals wasn't a great one, but the matchups look pretty solid with a good offense behind him. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I could justify it in a points league because the matchups, White Sox, Royals, so good. The offense, like you said, helps him get a win. He's, you know, he's he's pretty up and down. He's pretty up and down, and his good starts aren't even that good. But in a points league, you could take a hit more on your on the ERA and WHIP, and 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 in the hope of getting more innings, hopefully getting a win. I can justify it in a points league. I can justify Plesac in a points league too. And you know, I don't like Plesac. He at least has one good matchup against the Tigers this week. I wouldn't risk it in a categories league, not unless I was really chasing and wins. Not against Detroit, or you mean the the two starts the, for the two star week? The but Detroit, Detroit, say I, I like the Detroit one actually a lot. Oh yeah, absolutely. but I'm not touching that's, Philly. That's why. That's why I could justify it at all. If it was okay. Philadelphia, Washington this week, I wouldn't be doing it. But yeah, yeah Detroit, Philadelphia, in a points league, I could see going with Zach Plesac. So who else do you got on your uh, two starts for this coming week that you would like to monitor? I do have two that we might be worried about, technically three, but do you have any names that might be lower owned than these guys that you are recommending? Or are they all in the thanks, but no thanks? Because mm. it's not Lower pretty. owned? I'm not sure about lower owned, but Kyle Gibson is less than 60% owned on CBS, and his matchups are White Sox Royals, just like Martin Perez. I think he's a better pitcher than Martin Perez. He just returned from the IL, did not have a good start today against... Washington, obviously a tough matchup, but you know, Gibson's been pretty shaky. Uh, you know, he didn't miss that much time with injury, but he was shaky before going on the, the IL and it's, it's risky, but all of these guys we're talking about are risky. And I think, you know, he's, he's at least has, he's at least a pretty good bat misser and has two great matchups. So Kyle Gibson would be in the two start sleeper discussion. The most interesting two start pitcher of all we haven't mentioned yet. And that is. Luis Severino. Presuming. I, I was just looking and I saw him like, wow, they really listed him as the two starter. I don't know how much those are like maybe both combined outings might be one actual <laughs> start. Like, do you think he actually gets two full quote starts? I think so. I think so. His most recent rehab start, I, I believe it was on uh, on Wednesday. He threw 64 pitches, only went three and two thirds inning. It wasn't a great start, but he threw 64 pitches. He did. So I'm thinking 75 next time out. You know, if it's a good start, he'll 75 could carry him through five. I mean, he could be like and, Cueto to your point. I mean, 47 strikes he threw in the game. He was solid. I mean, it was good Severino stuff. So to your point, maybe he just pulls a Cueto where if he's efficient enough, he could go five. Yeah. And, and that first start is against the Angels. Okay. It's fine. Let, he, he gets through that. 90 pitches maybe the next time out is possible. 85? Maybe. That's against the Blue Jays, that second start. So, I'm and he's Luis Severino. Like, you expect him, it's it's more likely he's going to be good than not. I saw some of the video. Look good. Look like uh, vintage uh, Luis Severino. He's still getting his bearings under him. I mean, do you view Luis Severino in a start as risky as, like, when I, I put Johnny Cueto in both of the leagues I'm currently going in in keeper leagues this week, I started Johnny Cueto on that Tuesday start, and that... I think was viewed a little bit risky, especially early on with ratios. Do you oh, think it was definitely risky? Yeah, I do you think the death of that recommendation? Yeah, yeah. You you preface it. You're like he's the best two starter, but that doesn't say a whole lot. It's scary. But yeah. is Severino in that same camp, or is because his talent's so immense? Like, hey, listen, man, you just get him out there. I, Johnny Cueto is a pretty good pitcher. Luis Severino is is an ace. That's what we know him to be. We haven't seen him pitch at all this year, and everybody, you know, you. It's risky just because he's coming back from a severe injury, you know, and we don't know how close he is to quote unquote midseason form. He kind of hurried back. That's it, it's I'm not saying it's not scary, but if if we're just looking at this objectively, he's a better pitcher than Cueto, right? And uh, on a better team, he doesn't have two great matchups like Cueto did, but he has one. Uh, one of the two matchups is, is a great one. So. I, I think if you were willing to roll the dice on Cueto, you should be on Severino too. Would you that put him being out? Said, Your championship. You, pull- you have a championship. You are on uh, September 17th. It is championship week, whether it goes for one or two weeks. Are you putting Luis Severino in your lineup? I mean, I'm not giving a flat yes. I mean, a lot of teams in their championship game have deep rotations with great pitchers throughout. It's not automatic. But okay. if you're if you're struggling to fill that spot rather than turn to the waiver wire, Severino it might might be your best bet. I got to mention, too, he could pull a Cueto in that he's in line for two starts now. 
you know, Cueto's not in, going to end up getting those two starts this week. His second start was pushed back to, t- to Tuesday uh, next, of next week. So. Oh, I didn't even see that. I thought he was still aligned for a lot of sites still have him aligned yeah, for Monday. Yeah, a lot Monday of sites have him. Sunday. I, I just found that out before the podcast, so I got to... I got to make some adjustments to my projected starters, but there was a report out yesterday or on Wednesday that Cueto's next start was pushed back to Tuesday. So, uh, you know, the Yankees have Jordan Montgomery coming back Sunday to make a short start. They did just lose Jay Happ today. Um, it seems like Domingo Herman is they're They're kind of transitioning to him a relief role. He piggybacked off of a CC Sabathia start today. So in theory, I wonder if those two are going to keep doing that, by the way. Herman I don't know. Sabathia. I don't know. But in theory, you can subtract Herman and Hap, add Severino and Montgomery, still a five-man rotation. Severino still making two starts, but it's September, man. Things yeah. go, things get crazy. <laughs> I like it's September, man. It's just it is what it is. You're right about that. How about before we stop here for a second, two potential starters, though I'm piggybacking um two guys on the same team. Are you worried about these two starts next week? Two St. Louis Cardinals pitchers, Dakota Hudson and Miles Mikolas, they both have the Cubs and the Reds next week. Mikolas did not, uh, well, you know what, I should say, he was actually fine in Colorado. I didn't start him, I had him in the league, I, I benched him because he was at Colorado. Are, do you have um, do you have concerns about putting those guys out? I mean, weekly, I guess you could talk in weekly, or is there a start that you're sitting them both? They're not automatics, but they're both recommended for this week, just because I think they're of a high enough caliber. Dakota Hudson for not being a big mass bat misser for for being a guy who issues a lot of walks. I mean, he's such an extreme ground ball pitcher. It's hard to assess him, but he continues to crank out just terrific start after terrific start. And I'd have a hard time benching him right now. Michaelis, and it's Michaelis by the way, not Michaelis. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna correct you whenever I hear it because you appreciate that, right? I don't know. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It. I didn't. E- I, I. You know what? Didn't even hear that I said uh, Mikolas. You know what it is too. If everybody remember, you remember, remember uh, Nick Schwartz and the old bit where he goes, Mick Mikolas, you're the strongest boy in the world. If everybody remembers that old comic bit, that's where I get that from. Michaelis. Sorry, I didn't even realize I said it. Sorry, that <laughs> was that. It made Only the great. deep comedy people are going to remember that old Nick Schwartzen bit. Yeah, yeah, he's been kind of fringy all year, but. Michaelis has, but he's kind of in that boring pitcher class where, you know, whenever he's making two starts, you're probably going to start him. What, this chair, Grandma? All right. Uh, what about Matthew Boyd? Uh, very highly owned. Cleveland and the White Sox went five, two earned runs, walked four, and struck out three on Thursday. Concern next week? Most importantly, he allowed two home runs. So it was, again, not a great start for him. There hasn't been many good ones lately because he's so home run prone. Uh, it's it's less than automatic, but one of the starts being against the White Sox, I think most people should run with him. All right. Here is maybe the most important thing I ask you in this episode. Did you get your butcher box? Oh, did I? Did I you got it. get it? Yes, my my freezer is full of meat, and I can't wait to dig into it. Let me tell you something. This thing is unreal. Butcherbox.com slash FBT or promo code FBT. So I found out that we were getting a butcher box. I personally, I love subscription services, and this one blows my mind. So knock at the door. Wife is there. She goes to the door. I hear a, um, can you help me? I'm like, okay, just a package. Giant box. Butcher box. Open this bad boy up. There is everything. Steak, pork, bacon, and to my wife's excitement, organic chicken. To my excitement, organic free-range chicken that I don't have to hunt down at a health food store, which is literally (laughs) at the bottom of my favorite things to do. 1,000%. This is high-quality everything, all hormone and antibiotic-free. So, to the uninitiated, here's how it works. Each box contains around 9 to 11 pounds of meat. Enough for 24 meals. Yeah, 24. Think about this. 24 high-quality meals that come out to like $6 a meal. It's packed fresh, frozen, and vacuum-sealed, so you don't have to freak out if you don't answer the door like like we did. You know, I'm in Arizona, so I was kind of a little bit more, you know, like, how is this exactly going to work? No, that thing is on lockdown. You can customize your box, or you can go with theirs. Options like 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar nitrate-free bacon. Right now, ButcherBox is offering new members ground beef for life. 
That's two pounds of ground beef in every box for life of their subscription, plus $20 off their first box. Just go to butcherbox.com FBT or in a promo code FBT at checkout. Better for you, better for the animal, and better for the environment. That's butcherbox.com FBT or in a promo code FBT at checkout. Uh, besides ButcherBox, who is your Thursday standout here, Scott White? My Thursday standout is uh, right on the tip of my tongue, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to mention Luke Voigt here because I was getting a little worried about Luke Voigt. He hadn't homered since he returned. Um, well, that changed. He had a three-hit game with a homer and a double. First game of a doubleheader, got another hit in the second game of the doubleheader. And uh, Edwin Encarnacion is uh he he left the first game with an injury he's going to be sidelined for a few days so even if the yankees were tempted to get mike mike ford in the lineup more uh you know Foyt's getting hot at the right time he looks like he still has a nice firm hold on that job and like he could be a useful contributor down the stretch did anybody have a worse thursday than the yankees i mean i mean i got the I guess i got the positive severino news but e5 like you said he left with an oblique strain they lost hap Gary Sanchez was forced to leave the second game of the doubleheader with left groin tightness. It was rough, but Voigt was, you know, he was one of the positive standouts there. I think four hits between the two games. So you're in. Yep. You are in. How about a, hey, real quick on the emails. Hey, real quick, Lux or Cano as my second baseman in point leagues rest of season? I am going to say that you should go with Lux. Ooh. Yeah. Really? Uh I yeah. have got I've got some debates. I'm going to let me find them real quick because I have got a couple that I want to throw at you then here because oh, we've geez. we've jumped to both of them. I just have to do it now. Do I need to be owned? Robinson Cano is the lowest percent owned of these players, but he did hit his 13th homer on Thursday. Two homers and eight hits coming into Thursday. And Gavin Lux, by the way, who's 63% owned, since September 2nd only has his third game with a hit, one for four, but he did get his first stolen base. These guys are in different territory. But guys like Colton Wong, who hit his 11th homer, had two stolen bases, with, uh, which is his 22nd. You've got J.D. Davis, who was two for three. Next week, he has no game on Thursday, but Colorado and Cincinnati. And Kevin Biggio, who went three for four with a triple on a three-game hit streak. So Cano, Biggio, Davis, Wong, Lux. You took Lux, who is the highest owned of all of those guys. Yeah. But Wong. No, and- I'm rethinking things here. I'm okay. rethinking things. Uh, you know, obviously, if this was like June 1st and we were playing the long game, I think you'd pursue the upside of Lux. But it's percent. not. It's two weeks to go. And Cano's been hot. And they definitely have the Mets definitely have better matchups than the Marlins than the Dodgers next week. They're in line to face six righties. Dodgers have only five games, and you know three of them are against quality pitchers. So Lux does not look like a good start next week. Cano at least looks like a decent one. If your league plays the last week, we'll worry about it then. Okay, so we're going to go with Cano. Jumping back into the the other things, I thought it was interesting when I was going through these, do, need, do they need to be owned guys? I mean, your guy, J.D. Davis, you know, he doesn't have that game on Thursday, but just incredible at Colorado and at Cincinnati and Colton Wong has really been studly, you know, 11 homers, 22 stolen bases, but he's got Washington and Chicago next week. If you were canoeing versus Davis and Wong, does Cano go to the bottom of the list? I am not so sure about that. I don't like the Cardinals matchups next week. So I would take Cano over Wong then. And Davis has kind of fallen into a bit of a platoon role here. With Cano returning, actually, that's that's kind of what started it. Yeah, uh, Jeff McNeil playing a lot of left field, and Davis goes to the bench those days. You know, the fact the Mets don't have any lefties on the schedule next week, I think, really hurts Davis's chances of making a worthwhile contribution. Sad as it makes me, it is kind of sad. I one thousand percent associate JD Davis with Scott White. Every time I see him, I think about you. So. You should be proud. You should be well, very happy. I think that's an honor, to be honest with you. I, I I like, yeah, I like being associated with players as long as they're good. Yeah, as long as they're not garbage, you know, yeah. like, like, you know, my buddy Scott Bogman with Billy Burns. Like, that's not, that's not the best Billy thing. Burns. Billy Burns. I haven't had a 
Billy Ben. Oh, we talk about Billy every time we can. Uh, Josh from Brussels. He had a long email that I had to condense here, but he has a dilemma regarding my closers because, hey, this is a hey real quick email. He feels he should go and pick up Seth Lugo, but he's trying to decide should he drop Will Smith, Craig Kimbrell, or should he just sit tight? You have hmm. a pain look on your face. Scott White is, well, this in is a pain. Painful question because Kimbrell and Smith are both in pain right now, right? Yeah. Like literal pain. But someone help. Indefinite timetables and, you know, all things being equal, I'd rather have them. So that's I think Will Smith, he uh, I think is closer to being ready and obviously has been a lot more stable than Kimbrell this year. But I can see dropping Kimbrell for Lugo right now if if you can't afford to wait it out. Uh, Rosinda, Zach Wheeler and Zach Gallen. Who do we trust more for the rest of the uh, playoff? Uh, he, they meant the fantasy playoffs, but said playoff fantasy for the fantasy playoffs. Wheeler or Gallen? I that's pretty close. I trust both, to be honest. But if you're forcing me to pick one, I'm looking ahead at the matchups. Uh, let me see here. Wheeler misses a series at Colorado next week, so that's good. Uh, meanwhile, Gallon is facing. Looks like the Padres. So for next week, I would prefer Gallon. And that's about. I mean, then you got one more week after this. So I mean, that's. Yep. It's 50% of it. I agree. I'm going Zach Gallen. And finally, on some Hey Real Quicks, Mason says, is Wade Miley broken? What's he doing differently that's caused the wheels to fall off? He's broken, Scott. Yeah, something is broken there. I, I think it's fair to say. He was, he'd been a major overachiever all year, but, you know, the, the two starts that bad in a row. Uh, he's doing something wrong. He doesn't think he's tipping his pitches, but... Uh, you know, if he hasn't figured out what it is, I don't have an answer for it yet, but I, I need to see some much better results before I think about using him again. And obviously, and that means 2020, uh, probably, I mean, if he goes six strong, if he throws six, one hit innings next time out, I'm not going to say no to him for the final week necessarily, but, but yeah, he needs, he needs a really strong start next time out. All right, quick break right here on Fantasy Baseball today. When we come back, it is hitters. We're adding all the players. We've got the news and notes. We'll see if we can get to some 2020 talk and lots of emails. So quick break on Fantasy Baseball today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Most added hitters over the last week. I've got three for you. Really interesting names. I mean, there's one that's obvious, so if you've got any specific takes on them, just throw them at me here. Here are your three hitters that were added the most this week. Tommy Edmond went from 30 to 46% owned. He was at the very top of hitters. Will Myers, who we spent a lot of time talking about, 48 to 64% owned, and Starling Castro, 34 to 48% owned. Those were your three highest CBS moved hitters as far as trajectory of percent owned. So uh, I mean, I feel like Will Myers has gotten into a space where we were just talking about guys like Lux and Robbie Cano. I think Will Myers sits at near the top of that list of players. So I, I feel like that's a pretty Pretty easy thing to tackle, but what about Edmund or Castro? Any uh, any thoughts here? I would not be that invested in them. I, Starling Castro, the Marlins, had good matchups going into this week, so he was among my top sleeper hitters for the week. But he doesn't have you know, he doesn't have a lot of upside. I don't love their matchups next week. Edmund say say the same thing for him. Myers Myers is the one to take here. The other two seem like no more than desperation plays. I would take a Robbie Cano over either. Or uh, Nick Solak still widely available. Somebody mm. like that. Speaking, uh, actually, the Rangers have the very worst matchups of any team next week. So forget the Solak pick. Well, speaking of Nick Solak, though, how about some prospects who rake here? I have got four names for you, 
And I would like an order in a trust rest of season. Nick Solak is one of them, 23% owned as we are going. We've got two games that are in progress. So that game is ended. Last I updated, I'll look here in a second. Solak was two for three, but did hit his fourth homer. He was hitting 347 with two homers coming into Thursday through the month of September. We've already talked about Gavin Lux, who, um, you know, one for four tonight, had his first stolen base, kind of struggled a little bit. Two others, though. Nico Horner, one for four, uh, but he's got hits in three of his first four games. He is 12% owned. And oh my, Mr. Kyle Lewis, who, as we record this, has hit his third homer, which is mm. three straight major league games with a home run. And he's hitting fifth. He was hitting fifth here on Thursday. So Kyle Lewis, who is the lowest percent of all of them, three straight games with a home run, hitting at a very good spot in the lineup versus Gavin Lux versus Solak versus Horner. What do you think? I think that this conversation would be very different if we were having it in June than right now, as I keep reiterating. Can I take Uh, a guess real quick? If this was June, this would be Lux, Horner, Solak Lewis for you? No, not quite. I, w- I would go Lux Solak Horner Lewis. Okay, so Solak over. Okay, so I, I, I mean, just have those mixed. Is, is going to be believing for me with Horner and the power, considering he only had three home runs in the minors this year and about half a season's worth of at bats. That's, I mean that 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 raises some concerns, but and the fact that you know he, I. Does he have just the triple as an extra base hit so far? And it was a, kind of a ground ball down the left field line. You said he hits safely in three straight games to begin the season. Three of four. I, three of four. Three of four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, Lewis, I wasn't counting on much of an impact from him. The power numbers were lacking, and he even got some time. Actually, I don't think he got some time at AAA, just a double A. So that. That helps. But he had 11 home runs and 457 at-bats there with 152 strikeouts. 398 slugging percentage. I I wasn't expecting him to begin his career with a home run in three straight games. Now, I mean, there have been a lot of players over the years who underwhelmed with the power numbers in the minors. They get in the major league environment. They're seeing a lot more strikes. Suddenly their skills begin to play up. That's happened a lot. And maybe Lewis is one of those guys. I like the Mariners matchups next week. I don't like the Rangers and Solak, you know, otherwise he would be a good choice. I mentioned I don't like the Dodgers either, so that does that's not good for Lux. And I just don't have a lot of faith in Horner being a significant contributor at this stage of his career. So I think Lewis is the only one I'm looking at right now. Haven't put together my top 10 sleeper hitters for the upcoming week yet, but he'll be under consideration there. Yeah, by the way, he is... Three for three tonight with two runs. He's got a he's a triple shy of the cycle. Actually, as we're recording this in the bottom of the six single double and he hit his third home run. So he's going to appear at the top of the list. What I think is interesting, by the way, and I know these guys are all lowly owned here, but there is a sense of desperation that sits in. And there's also, you know, there's a um, there's a, a stage that's been set this season with guys like Aquino, you know, with come on the scene, absolutely rake and carry a team. And at this stage in the season, I do believe a lot of people are looking and banking on their teams being carried. So, yes, I know these guys are highly, un- you know, they're not highly owned. Yes, it's hard to get into crazy sample sizes at this time. But I think it's important to talk about, and very succinctly, you did all of that, that people are going to be tempted to pick up these guys when they see you know, Solak hit his fourth homer and they're going to cut some really good players that might be on a, you know, two or three game hitless streak because people are not sitting around and having any of it right now. So it's about weeding through who's the guy that you truly could make, take that chance on you and I, you and you know, you and I are a little bit different than that, Scott, your eyes, you just gave me were kind of like, well, but like it is what people do. Oh, it is what people do. Yes, I am. Generally speaking, a trust the guys who got you there thing. Uh, trust the trust the guys who got you there kind of guy. Uh, because you know, a, a couple hitless games wouldn't at all sway us in June, and it shouldn't now either. I mean, that's baseball. That that's what you signed up for, and it it's meaningless in the grand scheme of things. Guy could 
have four hits and two home runs tomorrow. So you're talking a true stud, unless he's in like a multi-week long slump, which off the top of my head, I can't think of somebody who's in that bad of a spot. Josh Bell's kind of bounced back from his slump, so I'm not worried about him. Um, I don't know. Do you think of anybody top of mind? Yeah, I'm trying to see if I can... What did you say, over the last like week or two weeks? Well, I said six weeks, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be quite that long. But, you know, basically that caliber of hitter, a Josh Bell caliber, the, the guys who... The, the studs, you know what a stud is. Yeah, I mean, obviously. I'm looking right like, here. I'm not benching my studs if they're healthy and they're not doing anything epically terrible over an extended period of time. I'm, here, I'm here's not a replacing cra- them. I'm just trusting them. Here's a crazy example for you, but just for argument's sake here. Like a guy like Andrew Benintendi right now, who in the last two weeks is one for 19 with one stolen base, one run, and one RBI, and went 0 for 4 here. He had He's had one hit... From uh, essentially since September 4th to now, he has had one hit. He is on a cooler, if you will. Yeah. I think there is a there's a a set of people that will look at that and say, I'm done. I got a week left. I got two weeks left. Kyle Lewis just hit his third homer in three days and is three for three right now. Andrew Benintendi, see ya. Is that something you could stomach? Well, it's an interesting example you picked because I think Andrew Benintendi has fallen below that stud level this year. It's been a very disappointing season overall. Both the power and speed production have been well below expectations. Uh, he's he's kind of been a glorified Nick Marcakis, really. So, oh man, uh, that, that I, I, th- stinks. I think that's perfectly fine in a three outfielder league. It's probably not the first time you've benched Benintendi. Five outfielder league. I, I don't know. It might be tougher. There's a good chance Kyle Lewis isn't even available to you then. I uh, just got but... Benintendi in the sixth round of our ITL 12 team mock draft. And mm-hmm. I got Blackman in the fifth. So, I mean, if you want to talk about like where the sentiment is on Andrew Benintendi at this point, whether it's for the next two weeks where you just said there might be a scenario where you cut him for Kyle Lewis also into next year values are going to be plummeted, especially if you stick Nick Marcakis stuff on him for the rest of the way. People are going to, we're going to cool on Ben Attendi, <laughs> which, you know, might be deserved so. Um, all right, let's keep going here. Uh, Jesus Lazardo. We got a couple people that really want us to talk about him. I'm not sure there's too much crazy to go with because I believe it's more of a 2020 thing. He didn't get a start. You want to talk about things being flipped on their head, by the way. Justin Dunn, what uh, he ended up getting a start, you know, quote start, which was going to be relatively low with the Mariners. Jesus Lazardo not Dunn got absolutely shellacked with five runs, five earned runs. But a guy like Lazardo walks. Oh, your five walks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Only two earned runs, but five. That's walks. what it was. Five walks, two earned yeah. runs. But Lazardo looked great in his uh, in his outing. Three innings, gave up one earned run, two strikeouts. You got to see all the stuff that he was working with, that two-seamer sliding in low. He's just a super smart pitcher. So we had a couple people asking just about our thoughts on him. I'm all in for next year, but do you have anything to take away maybe for the rest of this year or into next for Lazardo? Yeah, I don't think you can count on him making anything, any kind of worthwhile impact this year. It's possible he gets a spot start down the stretch when they're trying to space out their rotation for, for a playoff scenario. It was It was definitely... Like his stuff is GIF worthy. It was, you know, everybody was raving about how good he looked. And, uh, yeah, I think he'll be somebody who, you know, he's not going to be among those couple dozen pitchers who we think of as aces or close to it, but he'll be among the earliest to go after they're off the board. And, you know, potentially with a rotation spot from the get go at the latest, you know, by the end of April. So, yeah, he's going to be Jesus Luzardo, I think, is his debut. You know, <laughs> obviously just a drop in the bucket, but it it validated everything we've been saying about him so far. Well, if he's not a uh, value for you, maybe through the rest of this year, maybe some of these guys will be. The most added pitchers over the last week, here are your three. Johnny Cueto, who we talked about, who's up to uh, 44% from 21, and we got the news that you said that he's been moved uh, apparently to Tuesday, not that Miami Sunday start, which would have been great. Alex Young, who uh, 43% to 57%, though he didn't have, he had a really weird start. He only went two and two thirds, which is not good. Six hits, 
Gave up six runs, but only one was earned. So it probably saved a lot of people. Three strikeouts. He's got Miami Miami next week. And Reynaldo Lopez, who is actually a two-starter next week, 47 to 56% owned. And what I thought was interesting about that, Scott, is it looked like Reynaldo Lopez, I assume those numbers of why he was the third most added pitcher were just simply about two starts. So that was the pitcher that people were jumping on at high volumes as one of their top two uh, two starters for next week because he's got Minnesota and Detroit. Well, he was also coming off that uh, that brilliant start where he threw a complete game. I believe he gave up only two hits, right? That sounds right. Yeah, it was it was a dominant outing. And we spoke pretty highly of him on the podcast after it. So I'm not surprised people rushed out to add him. You know, then in typical Reynaldo Lopez fashion, he follows it up with a stinker. And how much can you trust him, really? I mean, it's we're looking at polar opposites as far as the matchups goes this upcoming week, Minnesota and Detroit. I'd rather not have to rely on him, but... Uh, a lot of people Certainly are though. in a points league context. I think it makes sense to. Did you lose any trust in Alex Young? Uh, matchup is good next week. Yeah. yeah, the 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 runs. Thank God they weren't earned. But this was one of those matchups where you looked at and we were just like, yeah, I think I, I even looked at. It, I was like, man, Diamondbacks are getting shellacked. I kind of like this as the bounce back game uh, for Alex Young, and it was a it was a stinker. So level of trust next week. Ah, uh, I mean, it's a great matchup, Miami. Yeah, man, and. I I don't think you'd be wrong to play him, but I don't know. It's it doesn't feel great because I I really endorsed him for the first time after his last start, a two hit effort where he struck out twelve and in eight innings, and his swinging strike rate had risen to higher than Clayton Kershaw's for the season, and yeah, it just it just looked like it was getting to be too much to ignore. But I don't know, I I. I I think it's a more likely chance than not. He's not a great pitcher. And things could go bad for him even against Miami. Alex Young against Miami or Reynaldo Lopez against Detroit. If you could only pick one of those starts next week. It'd be Lopez against Detroit. Okay. That says, I think, a lot about Alex Young at this point. Because, I mean, I guess they're both really great matchups. But Alex Young had been on a heater this one start it's it sounds like it's confirmation bias to your concerns. Is that a safe way to say that? Yeah, it's a safe way to. I mean, part of it too is, yeah, I have to come up with interesting things to say every day for six months. <laughs> you know, you kind of look for reasons to believe in a guy you may not necessarily believe in. Like I was saying with John Means, by the way, and uh, I just wonder if you know I didn't personally pick up Alex Young anywhere. I just wonder if I really believed everything I was saying about him after his last start. It's like a bad relationship. You're just like, yeah, I knew all those things were wrong. Now <laughs> I see it. You showed your true colors. It's convenient there. to say that now, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, how about the fringe pitchers? Maybe a little bit higher than fringe. Joe Musgrove versus Denelison Lamette. Musgrove went five, four hits, no one runs, struck out seven. Two straight quality starts he had before that. He's got Seattle next week and Lamette. Not quite as good. Went five, three earned runs, but had seven strikeouts as well. Seven of his last eight starts, he's had three earned runs or less, but he's only got two wins in that time, and he is at Milwaukee. Musgrove or Lamette? I'd be more likely to start Musgrove, who looks, I, I hesitate to say stable, but he has been lately. Four of his last five starts, very solid. Seattle, great matchup, obviously. Lamette is going to be one of my big breakout candidates for next year, he's his swinging strike rate is off the charts. It was again in this start. He had, uh, I think, 14 swinging strikes on like 74 pitches. But the fact the Padres only let him throw 74 pitches, that's kind of been the ongoing issue with him. 12 starts since coming off the DL, only three of them of six plus innings. And it's just, it's just hard to make use of him, all things considered. So instead of using him, Tough matchup at Milwaukee. I'm just going to just going to start dreaming of what Denelson Lamette could be next year. Fringy er pitching. Homer Bailey is 55% owned, went five, one earned run, three strikeouts. The last that I saw, was that the final line? Uh, I will have to look. I believe that is the final line. 
and versus Brent, and he's got Kansas City next week versus Brendan McKay, who only went three and one third, gave up three earned runs, two strikeouts, 64 pitches. He ended up going in this game, and he's got what looks like some horrendous matchups this uh, coming week. So dump McKay to play Bailey or move along? Oh, yeah. I mean, McKay, I wasn't interested in picking him up after that last time out. I mean, it's like a three-inning start, right? He looked good, but there have been so so much, so many red flags uh, leading up to that and already at a career high in innings. Just the Rays have been totally, totally non-traditional in the way they've used the rotation anyway. So I, I don't even know what a Brendan McKay start looks like. I don't know if he's making one. I don't expect him to be good. Bailey's been pretty good with the A's. Royals are good matchup. I mean, as as I'm I'm not normally into the one start streamer thing, but if if you are, then it certainly seems like a, a good case. I would I would start Bailey. I would not start him over Ronaldo Lopez. And I don't think I'd start him even, even over Alex Young against Miami, but he's he's in that same discussion some news and notes that uh, we don't want to leave the podcast without you knowing but maybe you already know Shohei Otani season Dunzo patella surgery in his left knee he did that on Thursday he is out for the season it looks like it's going to be an 8 to 12 week timetable boy that's a long time yeah. that's a long time a lot of a lot of stuff following Shohei Otani I wonder when we're going to have a season where there's not a bunch of stuff I don't know if it's going to be this coming year well he's only been around two seasons I don't know if that's hard to believe or not. Hundred percent. There's been if, stuff. If he, if he becomes injury prone guy, that's going to be harder for them to justify the two way situation, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But people are paying for it next year already. Uh, a couple others. Nick Senzel also out for the season, diagnosed with a torn labrum in his right shoulder. I mean, you know. You can move along. It's not good either. No, it's not good. MRI not revealed good. that Justin Turner is dealing with a minor left ankle sprain. He was out of the lineup. He had an MRI on Thursday. Dodgers say that they are hoping he's going to be able to return this weekend uh, in the Mets series. But if you were hoping or banking on Justin Turner this weekend, maybe don't. This one, um, this one is boy. If there's something you, if you could write a headline at the beginning of the year and know you're going to see it at least five times in the season, it would be Rich Hill was forced to leave start. Um, he was forced <laughs> to leave his start against the Orioles after two thirds of an inning after experiencing an issue with his left knee. It's officially been diagnosed as a sprained MCL. Look, mm. yeah. So I think forget about him. And he hadn't even he hadn't gone on like an official rehab assignment either. So they were only going to let him go two or three innings, I believe, in this game. He didn't even make it out of one. Right. So it didn't look like he was going to be any sort of contributor in fantasy. Really? Anyway, this does open the door for Tony Gonsolin, who uh, was the best of a few rotation candidates who followed uh, who, who followed Richel in this game. It was like a bullpen game, but with former starters like. Kenta Maeda and Julio Arias and Tony Gonsolin, who strong three innings. It's like a runway models. They're just like, hey, here comes down to the line. Tony Gonsolin, three innings, four strikeouts, one earned run in this one. And he ended up picking up the win as well. Um, and then last one, Craig Kimbrell. He threw a bullpen session on Thursday. He told reporters after that uh, things went fine, but there's no elaboration. The thought process was that maybe he would return this weekend. I don't know. Everything is a little coy right now. I don't feel fantastic. It kind of comes back to that thing yeah. we were talking about earlier where it was like, would you drop Kimbrell or would you drop Will Smith to pick up Lugo? I'm not mm. sure what we see from Kimbrell from the rest of this year, even though he said this bullpen went fine. Fine. But yeah, that's all he's, that's the way it was reported. He, he, he didn't elaborate. It was like, you know, a teenager being asked how school went fine. Like, like Ben Roethlisberger okay. being asked about Antonio Brown. Whatever. Just <laughs> whatever. Fine. Doesn't matter. That's yeah. It. Meanwhile, Will Smith sounds like he could return this weekend. So that's, yeah, it's it's not, I'm not feeling comfortable with Craig Kimball right now. I'm not feeling any better about someone else in that Cubs bullpen either, though. Or maybe any of them. Uh, in a not so great, but we'll take it, Lucas Giolito, six innings, 12 strikeouts, one walk but five earned runs. 
Giolito cooling off a little bit as we step into 2020. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I think mean, there's a cool. He's still being he's being drafted very high, and that's fine. He's going to deserve it. But you know, this is an important time. Four of seven with double digit Ks. He had ten. He had twelve strikeouts in this. I, I, that's what I said. That's why I said it's a. Oh, this is good, but eh. Like it's it's the you know the girl with the meme where she takes a sip of the soda. She's like, Ugh. well, mm, nope. That's what Giolito was in this game. <laughs> um, can I be trusted? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I just that has that. been going around lately. It has. I threw you for a loop there. Can I be trusted? Caleb Smith, who went five and two thirds of an inning, three earned runs, four strikeouts, but he's given up 14 earned runs in his last four starts, and he has Arizona up next. That's number one. Number two, we've got our boy Miles, who, uh, Michaelis, who went five innings, three earned runs, five strikeouts. He's got the Cubs next, and you've been waiting for this one, Julio Tehran. Four innings, five earned runs, three walks, one strikeout with Philly next. Can any of us be trusted? I think the least trustworthy right now is actually the best pitcher of the three, I believe, in Caleb Smith, who you know looked like he may have gotten back on track last time out. It's just a really bumpy finish for him. And I think the innings has something to do with it. You know, he's he's had injury issues last year. He missed a lot of the season with an injury. And just isn't, isn't, uh, you know, isn't particularly sharp at this point in the year. And pitches for Miami, so that doesn't help either. Tehran, I, I, I don't think I would necessarily bench him based on this. But unlike, unlike John Means, his ex Woba, Tehran's is like in the three twenty range. So, you know, still not. High, but it not not great for a pitcher who you expect to hold down a rotation spot. Um, and uh, he's also fly ball prone. Got burned by the home runs finally in this one. I think maybe Tehran had been having good luck, good home run luck up to this point. It's a little scary. Miles Michaelis, I think, is is just become a boring pitcher. And as I keep saying, I mean that in the most positive way in this pitching environment totally comes out it comes out as a positive when you say it's scott you're like it's boring but it's it's i mean it positively totally comes just, out that way. it's okay. just because i'm not positive about pitching in general that's what it is yeah no you i mean you definitely made that clear um thursday was a saved filled night a lot of the big names were out there we had josh Hader getting his 31st save of the season we had chapman in there we uh i believe he got his 37th save we had kinley jansen Felipe Vasquez, though, fresh off of uh, breaking Crick's hand, got his 28th save. Maybe the most interesting one to me, though, was Brandon Workman, who got his 12th save, 3rd in September. It's just the piecemealing that Boston has done and tried to work through and what they've been this year. Whenever I see Workman's name out there, that one always jumps out to me. We also had LeClerc at his 13th, and Ian Kennedy Ian Kennedy still dropping all of those saves. Any bullpen notes uh, that you want to drop on us? Yeah, I'm surprised Workman hasn't gotten a little more love because the piecemeal approach has pretty much ended. He has gotten, trying to review it real quick here. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know. He, he's basically been their full-time closer since the All-Star break. So, yeah, he, he deserves to be rostered in more leagues if, you know, rather if, if if you don't want to turn to, uh, what was that guy at the beginning when we were comparing Smith and Kimbrel? Oh, uh, and Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo, yeah, I would go with Workman before somebody like Seth Lugo, who I'm, you know, tends to to throw like the two inning saves and isn't always available for the next chance, and sometimes they mix in Edwin Diaz. It doesn't appear. It's not as clear that it's D uh, that it's Edwin. That's Seth Lugo's job. I'm going to end us on this one email. I think this is a good one here. Uh, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. That's where you can send in your emails. Apologies. We had tons. We can't get to all of them. I will try to uh, continue to circulate through them because we've got some good 2020 ones, which I want to hit. Uh, though, Mr. Scott White, you are not here with us on Monday, correct? Yeah, that's right. That's oh. right. I'm going to a wedding this weekend. I am flying on Friday the 13th, so it's a good thing I am not a superstitious person. I, oh, we was, have I was just about to say, Scott, you're going on Friday the 13th, huh? Yeah. 
You're not yeah, no, worried I at all? I, I just noticed that today. Oh, it's Friday the 13th tomorrow. Yeah. I don't fly that often. Maybe maybe people who fly a lot, like, yeah, Friday the 13th, I do that all the time. And, at least your cat well, isn't like a black cat also that was yelling at you earlier in the episode. No, and then you're also orange. flying. Okay, He's yeah. orange. Yeah. yeah. Tabby. All right, so you will not be here, but were you not? I have got a guest for you, a very good guest, a buddy of mine, Nick Pollock. Pitcher list. If you guys have followed him, he's going to be joining me on the episode. So we will, uh, we'll, you know, we'll talk plenty of stuff. But I want to save the 2020 stuff for you and I. So when you are back for the Wednesday episode, I'm going to hit some of these 2020 things because I think there's a lot of good stuff you've been hitting on it. But this is the final email, real quick. This is uh, Nathan from New Jersey. He's and it was a really long email, but it's pared down to this. He goes, my opponent proceeds to say that he told an eliminated team that he liked Horner. The the accusation here was that an eliminated team told, or I'm sorry, a playoff team told an eliminated team to pick up Nico Horner. That was where, that's the crux of this. So a team that's vying for a spot told a non-vied team to go pick up a player. Okay. So the playoff opponent says, he just said he liked Horner and that the individual picked up on his own accord. What else is he going to say? They then proceed to say that I should have gone through my opponent and discussed it with the, with him first rather than to throw out the acqu- uh, accusations. I keep wanting to say ac- acquisition. I don't know why. So there's an infight happening here between the playoff teams having the non-playoff teams do some nasty stuff here. So they're all yelling at each other. So he's got three things he would like to know that he should do here. One mm. Should eliminated teams with no keeper or trade ramifications be allowed to make ads or drops? That's the first one real quick. Let's just do quick answers on this. Do you think non? um... Yes. Yeah. My position has always been, yes, people have made an investment in these teams and uh, they should be allowed to keep fighting right until the end. That's, that's the way it's done in the actual game you know, the, the actual sport and, you know, for seeding purposes, you want teams to do that. You want them to fight right to the very end. You you want your opponents to have a tough challenge as they're trying to position themselves for playoff seeding or whatever else. Yeah. I, I, they should be allowed to make ad drops. Now, uh, reiterating again, because I don't think I did the best job here because I cut this really long email. It's the, the team out of it says that the playoff team told him to pick up Horner. So that's where the accusations are. Do you believe this was any type of collusion? I mean, it's almost impossible for you to guess, but does this sound collusion-y where the team who picked up Horner says, yeah, they told me to pick him up, and the other team's like, no, I didn't. Where would you? Where, how would you do this as a commissioner yourself? I would probably ignore it <laughs> as Which a commissioner myself. I, I mean, I, if the good team was telling the bad team, pick up this guy, so that my opponents can't get him. I don't have a spot for him. Like if if they if they were connecting the dots to that level, I could understand how that would not be good. And I don't even know that there's much you could do about it in that case, but if if it was that overt, okay. But, you know, there there's no reason to believe it wasn't just a conversation. Yeah, I really like this guy. And so then the bad team looks at him and like, "You know what?" I think I might like him too. I'll pick him up. Yeah. Like, so unfortunately, that, that the guy that picked happens all the time. It's just the guy who picked up Horner is telling people, yeah, this guy told me to pick him up. But I am firmly, by the way, can you imagine? Yeah, but ha- what does that even mean? Like, yeah, he's really good. You should pick him up. Or is it you need to pick him up so yeah, that, well, that I think my that, team can do better? I think that's know? all part of it. I am firmly team never um, cancel trades. I'm not a veto trader. And it's got to be real collusion. Can you imagine like you're fighting about Nico Horner being collusion? His last one was how much of a jerk is he for making this call out publicly? Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of over fantasy league drama in general. You know, I went through that phase, (laughs) you know, when you had in your my late beer? teens, early twenties, where I thought it was the most important thing in my life, <laughs> and, you know, would would burn bridges and friendships and risk blowing up the league, making a big deal over something that really isn't a big deal. So I don't know that it makes you a jerk ne- necessarily. I just, you know, get over it. Put yourself in the other person's shoes and consider what's really at stake here. I couldn't agree more. The drama is maybe the biggest thing that needs to be eliminated from fantasy leagues. Not wins, you know, not saves, none of that. 
It's the drama. Drop the drama because fantasy is supposed to be fun. We're supposed to be having a ton of fun when we're doing this. When the fun is taken out, I think so should the fantasy. When you stop having fun, maybe you need to chill out on it. We like to have so much fun here. I'm going to try to have fun when you're gone, but I don't really know what I'm going to do. It's weird. You guys are like, I feel like the teenager where my parents are all leaving town and I get the house to myself. There's no Adam. There's no Chris. There's no Scott. I'm all alone. And I invited one of my friends going over. off the rails. Monday yeah. show, too. That's important. That's, that's important, important stuff. Well, Nick Pollock People is a very, very, for the championship. He's a very, very smart guy. If you guys follow him, uh, trust me when I tell you you're in good hands. You're in very good hands here. And we will be um, we will be wishing you all the best in your fun travels there. No superstitions. But that is it. That's all we got for you. Good luck for everybody. It's championship time. Let's get it going. He is Scott White. Follow him on Twitter at CBS Scott White. Myself on Twitter at Is It The Welsh. Have a fantastic weekend, and we will talk to you again on Monday. Later. <laughs>